and for the whole world. He gave one life so that many could live. Whereas Kevin Costner died, Jesus died and rose again. But then a question came to my mind. What do you do when somebody gives their life for you? What does that require of you in return? I look at Ashton Kutcher's face and I, I think he's in shock and disbelief about what just happened. That was his mentor, that was his friend. They had a rocky start, but they came to become very close to one another because their lives somewhat mirrored one another. And here, the person that he looked up to the most gave his life to save his. That's what we're gonna talk about a little today. Would you please stand with me and read our scripture this morning? It comes from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we are so thankful that you are willing to be the sacrifice for our behalf. We're thankful, Lord, that you are willing to endure the pain and the agony that it cost you so that we could be free. And so now, Lord, I pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable before you. Lord, may all that I speak bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read one additional passage, and it is in Luke 9, and your pew Bible is on page 842 and 843, uh, beginning at verse 57 of ch chapter 9 of Luke. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. 
Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And this is the word of the Lord. Um, those words in that passage seem a little harsh, um, at least to me. Those requests seem like simple requests. Um, just want to go home and bury my father or say goodbye to my loved ones. Um, but Jesus seems to be getting across a very important message. As he says at the end, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And as I thought about this, I thought about my own life. I, um, when I was in high school, we got these things called memories, memories books, kind of like a scrapbook um, for your senior year of high school. And in the book, people would write all these wonderful things about you that really weren't true. <laughs> um, you could store memories of your prom or different dances or different events throughout the course of your senior year. But there was one page that was left for you to write your 10-year plan. Where will you be in 10 years? And I remember mine like I wrote it yesterday. And um, I wrote that I would go to college, graduate from college, work a couple of years, get married, work a couple more years, have my first child, uh, have my second child two years later. <laughs> we would live in Virginia because I figured that was close enough to home but yet far away. <laughs> and that was my plan. It was all worked out. Uh, needless to say, the only thing with that plan that came true was I graduated from college and I worked. <laughs> that was it. Everything else just kind of went into thin air. And um, I wondered about that. And I said, you know, what I didn't understand when I was making those plans was that a decision that I had made years before kind of made those plans disappear. And that decision I made so young that I really don't even remember how old I was. I think I was about five or six. Um, but I made a decision at church one night to give my life to Christ. And I remember not really fully understanding what that meant as a young child. But what I did know was that God wanted me for himself. And I, I kept that with me all throughout school. Um, came to a point where when I was 21, I made the full adult commitment to live my life for Christ. And from then on, it was a party, <laughs> but not the kind of party that I thought. Um, while my friends were starting their families and buying homes and uh, getting married, 
I moved around quite a bit, so much so that my grandmother would keep scratching out the addresses in her address book. <laughs> uh, this is move number seven for me. I've lived in the Midwest a couple of times, in the South and the West, but never on the East as I had intended. Uh, spent most of my adult life in school. Uh, I was an above average student, but did not intend to spend any more time in school post undergraduate degree. I have friends who have teased me about being a professional student, you know, and they say, oh, you must love school. I say, oh, no. <laughs> Every time I finished, I said, okay, that's it. <laughs> but somehow the Lord led me back for some more study in a particular area. And at the time that I was doing this study, I never really figured out how it would all come together. I just knew that I felt God's call to do it. Um, I said before that being, uh, belonging to Jesus has taken me away from my family. Um, I lived in, uh, this is the closest I have been to my family, by the way, in my adult life. Um, I lived in Wisconsin for a while and lived in Louisiana. Uh, I was sharing with Ms. Clifford yesterday that I lived in Louisiana for almost five years until Hurricane Katrina. And I went away for a weekend with a little overnight case. And in three days, my life changed forever. Came back. Uh, and lost everything, basically, except my clothing and my car. The car that sits in the parking lot today. Um, and I lived there because I believed that God had called me there. My family wasn't happy, but I just really felt a sense that I was supposed to be there. In my first week on the job at the university, one of the students wrote me a letter and said, God sent you here. We needed you. In my adult life, I have spent one birthday and one Thanksgiving with my family. And families are big. Birthdays are big in my family. We do the party and we do the cards and we have dinner together. And I've spent those days on the phone listening to my family get together for somebody's birthday. Never, only from mine after Hurricane Katrina because I was home for a brief period of time. I haven't seen my family since last Christmas. I graduated in June, first time ever. No one from my family was able to attend my graduation. As I was preparing for graduation this summer, my grandmother, the one who took me to church, who really showed me how to live for Jesus, I got a call and said, she's been given 30 days to live. I'll have you know she's still here. <laughs> uh, 
Twice this summer, my father was hospitalized. I haven't seen him yet. I get the updates from my sister as to how my father's doing and how he has declined in his appearance. One of the things that I really struggled with in going to seminary was being so far from my family in California. And I remember praying to the Lord and saying, you know, if I do this, you really have to take care of my family. I can't, I can't do this otherwise. Uh, and like so many people who go where God sends them, it seems like life, when you commit, it just turns upside down. For about 14 years, my family's life has just been challenging. But it seemed like when I set foot on Fuller's campus, everything just went to pieces. I, I, I just didn't understand it. I felt, felt guilty. I wanted to leave and go home, be with my family, be with my parents. My sister would call and I remember one distinct conversation we had and she said, you know, with tears in her eyes, I could hear it. She said, I just never, I never thought we'd be here. I just never thought, never would have imagined, never would have believed it. And I got to the place sometimes you just hate to hear the phone ring because you don't know what kind of news is going to come, what's going to be on the other end. And then this week my brother called me and he said, are you sitting down? I said, no, he said, sit down. And he proceeded to tell me something I never thought I'd hear. I called my mom the next day, and I said, you know, you get to the point where you just put it on the pile of things you just given to God. You can't do anything about it. So here it is. So when I read this passage, and I see these three people talking about vowing to follow Jesus, I understand that. My life is not what I would have, in many cases, planned. I didn't get to choose where I live. You guys are wonderful people. You are just lovely, just lovely. And I have been so welcome, but trust me, I was in California. <laughs> I would not have chosen to come to Ohio from California, <laughs> except that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, go. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that by the mercies of God, we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices for him. 
in view of all that God has done for us. He just wants our lives. You know, there was a time when a sacrifice was an animal. And not just any animal, it was your best animal. A certain age, no blemishes. And you brought that animal to the priest and that animal would be killed and the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. But Jesus came and fulfilled that requirement. So you say, then what now? The requirement is filled. But what Jesus calls you to do is be a living sacrifice. He doesn't want your death. He wants your life. He wants you to live for him. And what that means is sacrificing your will, your wishes, your wants, for his will, his wishes, and his wants. And I'm telling you all of this because I know there are some people who will say that when you follow Jesus, everything is wonderful. You always have enough money, you have anything you want, you go anywhere you want, you live anywhere you want, no. I'm not saying that your life would be like my life. I'm not saying that God will call you to make the sacrifices that I've made. I don't know what his plan is for your life. But I want you to know going into this, it may not always be peaches and cream. But I also want you to know that it's worth every minute. Who's to say that the things that have happened in my life and in the life of my family would not still have happened. I tell you what, if they had, I would have been overwhelmed by them. The thing that has kept me standing is my faith in Christ and the fact that I have given him my life. So that's where we are today in this celebration of who Jesus is. We're looking at the kind of sacrifice that he requires. And you may be in one of two places today. You may be, you may say, I've given my heart to Jesus. I'm good. But sometimes when we give our hearts to Jesus, we don't give all of it to Jesus. There's some things that we hold back and say, you know, I'll go this far. I've had friends who say, you know, I, I could never leave my family. Um, he may send you on the other side of the world and you may say, no, I'm not interested in that. You also may be in the other camp where maybe you haven't yet made that full commitment. Maybe there's something that's holding you back from really surrendering your life to him. 
if you're in either of those two camps today, we have something for you. I want to ask the ushers to come. And uh, you'll be getting an envelope. And on the front of the envelope, it says, for Jesus' eyes only. And it says, to Jesus, and it says, from. When you get the envelope, I want you to write your name on it. And inside, there's a little card. And on that card, I want you to write whatever it is that's keeping you from fully surrendering to Jesus. Whether you're already walking with him or whether you're not, what is that thing or those things that are holding you back from being fully his, from resting fully in his loving arms? You may say, I don't know yet. That's okay. You can take some time after you get home to think about it. It may be a very personal thing. You want to wait and write it uh, down in privacy. You have that option. After you're done, you will seal it. And you will put it in those boxes that you took home last week. And when you open that box, this envelope will be given back to you. What my hope and prayer is that whatever you wrote on this card will be surrendered to Jesus. Whatever that thing is that you don't think you can give up and trust him with, will be entrusted to him. We're going to give you a quick moment now. We're going to sing one verse and chorus of a song. And just take a moment to say a quiet prayer to God about that thing you're struggling with and the inability that you face right now to give it up. And then we'll come back and have a word of prayer.
Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we do give you our hearts. Father, this morning we give you our every desire. Lord, make our will your will. Make our desires bend to your desires. Take us, Lord, wherever you want to. Do with us whatever you choose. Use us, Lord, for your glory. We're just so grateful, God, that you gave us an avenue. That you gave us a way out. That you've given us the power to live. And now, oh God, we commit to live for you and for you only. Thank you, oh God, for your mercy and for your grace. And Lord, as we continue in prayer this morning, we are mindful of the losses that we have faced of our members this morning. Lord, we pray that you would be with the family and friends of Bob Elston and Karen Lane, Lord. Father, we're thankful that we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that they are no longer in pain, Lord, but they have been released. And so, Father, we pray for those who remember them and mourn their passing, Lord, that you would be the God of all comfort. Lord, that you who see every tear would wrap your loving arms around us and comfort us. We pray for the Martins and for little Kristen. We thank you for her life, oh God. We continue to pray, Lord, that she will get better and better every day. We commit her to you, God, and for the purpose and plan that you have for her. We know that every life is important and you have a purpose for every life that you bring into this world. So we pray for her, we pray for her parents and pray, Father, that you would calm their anxious nerves, that your spirit would strengthen them and enable them to walk through this season and bring her home with them as quickly. And we thank you, Lord, for the gifts that we're about to bring and offering to you. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And now, Lord, we bring only a portion of those back to you. We could never count all of the goodness and mercy that you have bestowed upon us. But we do offer these gifts to you this morning. In Jesus' name. 